Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Sit Down, the podcast. Tune in the first Tuesday of every month with myself, Alex Horn, Principal Consultant, Cybersecurity Recruitment here at Lawrence Harvey, as I talk to executive security leaders across the industry for straight from the source insights into the minds of security leaders. We'll be breaking down topics ranging from ways to best scale a security program, how to position yourself best within the job market, current events and trends within the security and technology sector, and everything in between. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of the Lord's Harvey Cyber Sit-Down podcast. Tune in the first Tuesday of every month here throughout 2023 with myself, colleagues, and executive security leaders across the industry for some straight-from-the-source insight into the minds of security leaders in the industry as a whole. We'll be breaking down topics ranging from um, ways to best scale a security program, how to position yourself best within the job market, and general current events, trends within the security and hiring sector overall, and of course, everything in between. My name is Alex, your host for today's conversation. Uh, Principal recruiter here at Lawrence Harvey, focused on cybersecurity placements across the U.S., I'm joined here today for our second episode by Al Goose, the CISO over at SnapDocs. Really appreciate you grabbing some time, Al. This episode is centered around, similar to the last one, just kind of the current state of security trends and specifically hiring trends for this episode, looking into 2023 now that the dust has settled a little bit for us. Um, So with that, would love to turn it over to you, Al, as I think our listeners, I'm sure, would love to get some general insight into how you got your start in security and how you got where you are today running the program over at SnapDocs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks uh, for having me. Um, it's great to be here with everybody. Um, a little bit of context myself, uh, been uh, really in the industry for probably about 20, 25 years. Um, gosh, I started, you know, not doing security like, like many who started way back. Uh, did some development work, some professional services, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, fell into security, uh, honestly, when uh, kind of going to date myself here, when uh, I saw the first uh, UI for uh, Checkpoint Firewall 1, <laughs> if anybody remembers uh, Checkpoint when they first came onto the scene, uh, I can't even remember the year, but honestly. So anyways, uh, that's kind of where I got excited. And um, since then, uh, just doing a lot of different things, uh, building programs, maturing programs, large enterprise software companies, large healthcare institutions. <clears throat> I would say probably the latter part of my career, second half has been mostly like cloud and um, a little bit of uh, IoT and really just product focused, uh, SaaS focused. And uh, right now I'm a CISO at SnapDocs, uh, responsible for security compliance, uh, partner, partnering with our uh, legal team on privacy. And then also in uh, what we call tech enablement, which is really IT mixed with uh, business systems like SaaS, SaaS uh, business SaaS and things like that. So. Yeah, just having fun enjoying the ride. Uh, you know, uh, I was just Wonderful. mentioning a quarter ends in January here, so we're still kind of rolling the last year's tune. Um, can't wait to yeah, February. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, good to hear. I appreciate the full the full intro. Seems like for the most part, <clears throat> obviously we've we've connected before in the past. Your experience has varied quite a bit across a number of industries and environments. How do things change? Obviously, going out of like a consulting environment that it seems like you started in into more SaaS and cloud-focused stuff. You were at GE for a while. What's kind of the differences, obviously, not just in the roles themselves, but in the environments, maybe? Yeah, you know, 
It's, it's really important, I think, to realize that when you go from one industry to another, one company to another, I mean, obviously, you have to understand the industry that you're in because the attacks uh, change, the motivations change, the regulations change, the business drivers change, right? And so not only do you have to understand the industry, but you have to understand your core business. And yeah, sure, there's some things that I think you can like take from one company to another, but for the most part, you're going to realize that, you know, you're going to have to change a little bit and retool and uh, figure out, you know, what's critical to your business. In the case, in my, like myself, for example, you know, uh, last few companies have been really more or less involved with IoT, intersection of IoT and cloud and dealing with sensors, millions of sensors, sending data to the cloud and critical infrastructure and things like that. Now that I'm in FinTech, yeah. you know, sure, some of those skills and things that I learned are transferable, but, you know, I have to deal with like big financial institutions, I have to deal with regulations, the motivations are different from mm -hmm. adversaries, but they're more after money and PII versus, you know, taking over sensors and critical infrastructure. So you kind of have to be very conscious of that and, and shift, you know, uh, your mindset, your strategy, to support your existing, you know, your current business and, and the industry that you serve. Yeah, a hundred percent. A lot of people that I talk to, obviously for the most part, security is kind of quote unquote agnostic across a lot of industries. Right. But like you said, being able to leverage your experience in a specific environment or industry, regardless of what it is, is going to be crucial, <clears throat> especially this year when some industries are going through probably more grim times than others. And, you know, if yeah. you're, you're looking to, to make a move, then that's going to be important. Al, I think you also give a good kind of, overall view into the market with your work with um, SVCI and some other investment groups, um, Ivanta, some stuff like that. What's, I guess, kind of the general question would be, you know, what's kind of the overall <clears throat> trend or expectation that you and, and other security leaders you're connected with are, are kind of expecting for 2023 overall security focused wise? Yeah. Wow. So everybody's got their predictions and whatnot. Um, you know, as practitioners, uh, as uh as an advisor, as, as an investor, to some extent, I would say, you know, first and foremost, I think the company culture is going to change or, or organizational culture is going to have to change because there's so many, so many well-known, <clears throat> um, highly visible breaches that have taken place recently yeah. that, you know, bring in the human factor into cybersecurity that I think, you know, cultural, uh, well, I should say cybersecurity awareness, I think is going to be a a big theme in 2023 so we can you know start to actually address the human fact the human factor right versus just technology yeah i think that's gonna be pretty big so there's gonna be more awareness more things like that i would also say you know there um i would say ai ai for example so we've been using ai in our products right our tech stack yeah. for some time i think that's going to be more prominent in, in 2023 um i always you know uh, tell people when we talk about AI, you, you need AI to control AI. So yeah. with the um, proliferation of tech, chat GPT and AI being like mainstream and now adversaries having access to it so that they can, you know, um, do nefarious things. Uh, so I think, you know, the attack is going to change, right, a little bit uh, from an AI perspective. And so we have to be able to use more AI in our tech stack to be able to mitigate against those attacks. And then also, you know, um, the, the talent shortage, right? Yeah. I mean, we're still dealing with talent shortage, even with the layoffs. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you yeah. know, with the talent shortage, I think there will be probably more hybrid product services companies coming out, meaning that they're going to have to have some type of service to augment our staff because our staff yeah. today are so, so small, relatively speaking, compared to the past. And then have product, their product, their platform kind of augment the services to facilitate what we need to do internally, like 
vulnerability remediation, um, even just prioritization, forget about remediation, things like that. I think I think that's going to be a little bit more uh, mainstream. So that hybrid type yeah. company where services and uh, product. There's some out there now, but I think it's, there's going to be more. Yeah, well, that's a good shout. And and certainly was going to ask kind of similar theme, you know, what do you and other security leaders see as kind of the hiring trends in general? From my perspective, obviously, the the need within cybersecurity has never really been been higher in a lot of ways. And I think there was even a LinkedIn article yesterday, we're in, we're in January at the moment, um, that said like cybersecurity still in extremely high demand, um, which is confusing because in theory, there's never been more people on the market per se with a lot of layoffs and everything. But <clears throat> I think if anything, it just kind of muddies the water and, and security leaders are having to do more with less, which is something they're probably familiar with for the most part. Um, I think a lot of the hiring managers that we're working with, the problem is more so, you know, it's not, we can't find anybody for the job. It's, you know, we have hundreds of applicants and we can't sift through it all. We can't really, you know, vet everybody in a timely manner and, you know, it becomes quite messy. So um, definitely an interesting thought. And I liked your point at the end. I was definitely going to ask about your need to augment with, you know, MDRs or outsource a SOC, that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely interesting. Do you think that that's a common theme across all stages of companies, but also <clears throat> industries as well? I think so. I think so. I think uh, especially those industries that um, uh, are, I would say, the non-tech, probably more prominent, just because in the tech sector, you tend to find companies who have security practitioners who know automation pretty well, and they can automate a lot of the things that they work on on a daily basis, you know, yeah. like L1, level one, you know, uh, events and things like that. Um, whereas, you know, traditional enterprises, especially those that are like have been recently migrating to the cloud or, you know, it's been a journey for them, they may not have that that type of talent. And so augmenting with, you know, third party, you know, services company, uh, which we've done in the past, like in the traditional MSP model, MDR, right, XDR, et cetera, uh, SOC. Uh, but I'm talking more so on the, like the infrastructure side of the house, right? The the cloud infrastructure, the the configuration management, the vulnerability management, things that are non like incident related, but could lead yeah. to potential incidents. I think that's where we we're short in terms of expertise. And and yes, we do get a, we get we get tons of candidates like through our you know uh, recruiting system, but you yeah. know it's hard to kind of weed through. And you know I look at it this way. I look at it. You know, there's, there's two problems. <clears throat> I think. One, I just don't think in today's youth, there's there's that much interest in security as there used to be in yeah. the past. Uh, that's just kind of my gut feeling because I, I talk to, you know, boys, I talk to them and I talk to their friends and uh, et cetera. And I don't see that interest anymore like I used to hearing in the industry. And then second is I think our higher institutions or uh, educational institutions are not really, I think, uh, setting up our, our uh, you know, the graduates to yeah. to take on these, uh, these uh, more advanced technology rules like, you know, security, when, and there's all facets of security, right? different domains, incident response, threat management, governance, risk compliance, privacy, et cetera, et cetera. So I just don't think they're set up to do that. And as a result, you know, we're finding there's a lot of candidates, but there, are, there aren't any like really decent viable candidates or there's very far and few between. And there is yeah. tons of companies fighting for their, you know, services. Yeah, 100%. I think it leaves more junior entry-level people as well, kind of fighting for, you see a lot of certifications and boot camps that, that are really strong, right? But a lot of them are really expensive potentially. And if you don't have, you know, a sponsorship through like a company or anything, then it can be quite a challenge for people. So yeah, there's there's a multitude of, of issues that we can obviously dive into here on kind of what that skills gap might be because the, the workers are there in theory, right? Um, but both from the hiring institutions, like you've said, but also 
um, like the candidates themselves. You know, there's there's quite a bit to talk through. You kind of answered my next question there just a little bit, but what skill in-house do you think yourself and, and security leaders are going to be looking for the most, you know, kind of regardless of, of economic conditions? Is it that cloud and infrastructure stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for, for tech companies, <clears throat> I think, you know, cloud security, infrastructure security, um, I mean, there's a lot of cross-pollination between different domains in terms of skills and, and whatnot, but I think for the most part, um, you know, the, the the cloud infrastructure, cloud security roles have been um, you know, really hard to fill, I think. Not to say that, like, your GRC roles are not hard. This, they're, they're hard as well. Um, I'll even extend that to, you know, decent IT, you know, tech enablement type roles. You know, those, are, those, are, those have been uh, difficult to fill as well. And that's because, again, you know, there's, uh, there there you know, uh, opportunities to go get, you know, training in, um, you know, some of these uh, smaller schools and, you know, that give you certification and things like that. I think those are great. Um, but uh, we're, we're still, you know, finding, um, you know, difficult times in terms of attracting those types of candidates that are open-minded, that are willing to come in through the door and uh, yeah. take on, you know, traditional IT role and then move on to like, you know, security or risk or somewhere else and stay with the company, retain that context versus having to pick up and leave. Uh, that doesn't help anybody. So yeah, yeah, yeah I think those are the critical roles. Fair, hundred percent. What were the trends for you last year as far as kind of security talent in the market, or what did you hear from other um, people at your level? Yeah, so you know there was a frenzy last year, and uh, and some of them will tell you that they probably went a little bit overboard and they hired too many. Yeah, I think seeing that in not just in security but in other um, you know uh, space as well. Um, you know, for us it was. Uh, um, yeah, we were a pretty frugal company. We spent our, you know, cash wisely when we get funding. Um, and so my job was really to kind of go out and gauge my peers and see what the ratio of their, you know, teams were to the rest of the company or, you know, uh, compare budgets and things like that, you know, in a way that was not attributable. And then just bring that to my like CFO and say, hey, look, this is what our, you know, not so much competitors, but, you know, companies in the same space are doing. And here's the ratio of personnel to, you know, the rest of the company. And uh, I think that helped in terms of uh, education and uh, yeah. really trying to right size the size of the team. And so that's how I was able to, you know, get the headcount that I needed across, you know, all my teams and, yeah. um, and then hire. Yeah. How easy or quick is it to, to pivot your kind of talent or hiring strategy, you know, looking at macroeconomically? Um, in terms of, like, how do I go about getting the... the yeah, the, like, like how, the, how ahead of the market do you feel, you know, at any time or even other people that, that you're connected with, right? Because um, I think the market right now is really volatile and, and things can flip yeah. really quickly. I think one thing we can dive into it in a second is like compensation expectations in the market are all over the place. Um, you have obviously inflation's going up, costs are going up, but a lot of people that are were laid off from specifically like really high tech, really high paying jobs, right, are now in the market as well. So I could talk to you know, senior pen tester one day that's on one salary and then another person that's probably 50% higher. Um, and for companies, it's hard to navigate. Have you noticed that? And then, yeah, like I said, how do you, how ahead do you feel the market at any given time? Yeah, no, I, I do. I do. I, I do see what you're saying. I haven't experienced that myself personally. Uh, I do have a couple of uh, um, directors who are, who are hiring and that was just because, um, it was more of a cost-saving situation, believe it or not, uh, yeah. to bring somebody versus doing something else, not to get into the gory details. But, um, you know, I can imagine that happening. I can imagine having a hard time calibrating, like, okay, what's the norm, right? Especially with the amount of uh, folks that are out there now. But I'll tell you this, though. Um, 
we're we're not seeing you know security teams impacted as much obviously yeah. relative to the rest of the company rest of the uh, organization so you know the ones that are the companies that are laying off are not like the the large you know enterprises um they're not laying off their security teams it's typically the you know the tech, the tech companies and in those tech companies the security team compliance team would you know most likely be the last one that are touched yeah um and that's just for obvious reasons you need them to keep the company safe and keep your customer data safe so we're not seeing a lot of um a lot of that um in the uh, in the market today but that could change i mean we're still kind of in this and we're not exactly sure which way the macroeconomic situation is going to go so like you said it could change at any minute in time and you know, HR teams uh, and talent acquisition teams really have a difficult time navigating that, like you said. And I don't, we haven't figured it out. I haven't figured it out. And yeah, uh, fair. You know, we just take it as it comes and try to calibrate, navigate based on the data that we have on hand. Yeah. In the same kind of light, logistically for candidates, as far as kind of the conversation between remote work, hybrid work, what's your, because I believe Snapdocs is fully remote for the most part, correct? What's your kind of take on that as, as market trends are kind of becoming more apparent this year? Um, I think, well, I think obviously remote work is going to stay. Um, yeah. You know, I think it just depends on the industry, the sector you're in, in terms of, you know, how much uh, hybrid there will be versus how much on site. So that's, I think, industry by industry specific, uh, like in FinTech, for example, uh, manufacturing, right? There's, there's, there's those sectors that you just have to be on, yeah. uh, uh, I said FinTech, I mean, financial institutions, large financial institutions kind of have to be on site those but those roles that you know can and can manage their work remotely they'll be remote or do a hybrid um i think a lot more companies are open to being remote now i mean yeah. I, I saw something across my radar now elon musk is now all on board with the uh, remote yeah. work whereas before yeah. he was pretty happy i don't know if there's any <laughs> truth to that just rumors but you know i see things like that and i'm like okay now people are coming around and so from a security perspective i think the the uh, stakes are going to be, you know, a lot higher for those that are now taking yeah. that journey. For us, you know, we've been pretty much remote since uh, COVID. Uh, and even before that, we had opportunity to work from home. Um, but now, we you know, we're fully remote. And um, honestly, you know, when you go in the office, there's like crickets. You don't see anybody. And we're like, okay, yeah. why are we keeping this space? And so a lot of companies are downsizing their office space as well. You know, Salesforce, uh, huge tech companies yeah. and others do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I think this year we'll definitely kind of reveal more in that space as well. Let's maybe pivot to more of the candidate side of the conversation. And for people, like I said, at junior entry or even, you know, mid to senior levels that are looking to kind of grow their careers, how can they, from the mind of a security leader like yourself that, that that's kind of, you know, been through the journey, how can they kind of show themselves off, I guess, is for lack of a better term? You know, what's the best way a security professional, we can even get into specific domains, can differentiate themselves to a senior leader or a hiring manager like yourself, just kind of overall? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I look for, I always look for fit first, to be honest with yeah. you. Uh, that's very important just because it just changes, if the fit isn't there, it just changing, changes the dynamic of the whole team and sometimes the entire organization, security compliance, privacy organization. So I look for fit first. And by that, I mean, cultural fit you know uh you know for example you know as a company we're very empathetic right and so yeah. we look for traits like that uh, we look for open-mindedness we look for you know communication skills things like that and so i think fit is important and then the skills come in right um do they have the skills or do they not have the skills are they open-minded you know we tend to test them a little bit during the interview process in terms of challenging them you know giving them some 
um, you know, um, <clears throat> how do you say controversial uh, uh, questions and see what, how they react, right? Yeah. Uh, it just shows, you know, kind of their true self. And typically it'll, it'll come out at some point in time. And so, yeah, we just look for fit. And then, you know, for those that are coming from like different industries, we always see that, again, <clears throat> if the person has, you know, uh, a good attitude and is willing to learn and is open-minded, you know, we'll bring them in through the front door. And by that, I mean, you know, like I'm fortunate enough to own, um, you know, tech enablement. And so we bring him through the front yeah. door right, and get him acclimated with the environment and have him, you know, work on our, you know, tech stack. And, and, and from there, you know, they, they have opportunity to go a lot of different ways. You know, they're, they'll be involved with enterprise, you know, IT security, you know, capabilities that we have. They'll be focused on, you know, GRC, helping with controls implementation and evidence collection. And so they'll see product security. They'll see a bunch of things in their role. And then they have the opportunity to grow with the company and <clears throat> move into any one of those other areas. Right. Other domain incident response, for example, is a great one, right? Uh, maybe, they, maybe they'll pick up uh, Python and automation. Um, yeah, 100%. So, so that's kind of what we look for. We don't necessarily look for, you know, senior people all the time. We look for yeah. those that are hungry, that want to learn, that have, that have, uh, um, uh, uh, that are self-motivated, right? Take initiative, do learnings yeah. outside of work, right? Tinker with yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's a lot of soft skills, a lot of like motivation-based stuff, which I think is great. And it's something we look for as external recruiters, as far as, you know, approaching candidates, you know, we're not going to send on somebody that's, you know. We, we don't think once the job, right? I think like the technical skill set and like, do they fit what this is required for the role? That's relatively black and white. And if it's more junior, obviously there's a lot more wiggle room and, and that kind of stuff, but it's the secondary aspect. Like I said, the fit and the motivations and that kind of thing that that's really crucial. And I'd say for people that are in the job market, you know, I'd say do a lot of research behind the companies that you're applying to and, and hopefully are interviewing with, um, you know, connect with the hiring managers, that kind of thing. If you could bring some other knowledge to the table of, of how you might be able to affect change in that role, that's usually something that we hear internally and, and for hiring managers that comes off really well on top of, you know, like I said, the technical skills and stuff being relatively black and white. What's your take on this is more specific for certain skill sets, red teamers, for example, with like the OSCP certification, but what's your take on certifications in general? Do you think that they're particularly important? Do you particularly look for them um yeah i guess what's your take not necessarily to be honest with you i think there's some um you know some uh domains where i think it would it helps for example you get sometimes customer questionnaires and they ask for you know do you have personnel with uh you know uh, various levels of accreditation things like that and so you know it always helps to bolster our case and and, and say yes we do yeah. and here's the applications that we have and i think it's also included in I don't know if it's ISO or SOC 2. Yep. Um, I think it's ISO that, that, that you know, is looking for, you know, individuals that are uh, educated and have, have had some formal education certification. Um, so I think to check the compliance box, I would say, yes, it's important. But, you know, from my perspective, I haven't been in the industry for 20, 25 years. You know, the, some of the more brightest people that I've seen um, have had no certifications whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and so I don't put a lot of weight on it, or I'll extend that to degrees. Um, I've sure. met some really bright people, and I still keep in touch with them. Um, that have had no, 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 like you know, higher education. Uh, they went through some certification program uh, in, a, in a trade school, and um, you know, they came out, and you know, they just had that attitude to 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 learn, and or were self motivated, and and you know, self made basically, right, and got themselves to where where they are today. So. So no, I don't put a lot of weight except for those situations where you yeah. kind of have, from a, you know, business perspective. I would say. 
Yeah. And again, it's going back to like the motivations and the eagerness and that kind of stuff. It's kind of doubling down is how crucial that is. But to be fair, some programs and hiring managers don't necessarily, you know, see through that. So, you know, from an awareness perspective, both you and I, and obviously working with a variety of, of, of companies, right. Doing our best to kind of make hiring managers aware for the most part that, um, those kind of skills are going to be really important to look for and, you know, not being so rigid about certifications or, or even like you said, um, like educate, formal education. So that's a good shout. Yeah. Um, in the pen test room, right. And that, and that yeah. specific area, you mentioned OCP and things like that. I think, I think it helps also in that area just because the, you know, you want some validation that somebody has gone through some kind Definitely. of formal training kind of knows the ins and outs, but the, the brightest, you know, hackers out there uh, are, are not working for, you know, nine to five companies. They're out yeah. there trying to break into companies, right, and, and exactly. rehab. Right? So then I don't think they go for certifications. Uh, they're just self, yeah. self-made. Yeah, agreed. What's the first thing you look for on on a resume from a qualified candidate? Ideally, obviously, your your people that are reporting to you are already kind of at that management level. But what's the first thing that you would particularly look for, or how do you read a resume, really? Um, honestly, the first thing I look at is, um, current and past experience. Yeah. Uh, I think experience shows a lot. Um, and you know, when you're looking for candidates, you're looking for the fill a role, you almost look for, have they been in a similar situation in the past? Right. So yeah. being in, in tech and real estate tech, you know, I, I look for that. And if they've been in a, in a cloud company, SaaS company, or even platform as service, um, product focused, um, regulated, you know, I look for those characteristics and if it fits the bill and I read on, the, I read on the rest. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I focus on skills as well, obviously, but you know, I, I go above and beyond what's in the resume. We, we, we tend to, I tend to give, my team tends to give our, you know, TA team a list of things to ask as a pre-screening. And then we get those questions back, uh, the answers back. And they're very tech focused in terms of, do you have, you know, Python yeah. experience do you have, um, you know what IEC is just some basic stuff that that you know would help us kind of filter right otherwise you know we'll just be wasting their time and our time and so that helps us quite a bit and so yeah I look at I look at experience first then I look at uh, um, you know specific skills and if it you know fits the bill then 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 we move on to the to the um, uh, you know first round yeah yeah fair I mentioned this I believe in in the last episode of the cyber sit down but I think the cliche is something like most hiring managers or recruiters look at a resume for six to 10 seconds, like not very long at all, especially when you're sifting through potentially 200 of them, you, you can't take 10 minutes to read each resume. So um, format's a big one from my perspective. And then like you're saying, like-minded experience is, is, is a big one. I mean, if you pull up a quote unquote ugly resume, it just, it just kind of puts you off from, from right away. And, you know, you want to be fair to people, but um, yeah. that, that's a big one. Yeah, I didn't think of that subconsciously. Yeah, now that you mentioned that subconsciously, you're I mean, the first thing you're attracted to is the format, right? Yeah. The layout, right? Is it conducive to you looking at it for, like you said, you know, five seconds, six seconds to get the information that you need? If you can't get that information that you need in that five, six seconds, then you, you turn to like shut down, right? So yeah. the format, I think, is important. How it's laid out is important. You know, maybe, I don't know, skill, uh, experience being on top and skills being at the bottom or on the side someplace. Um, I think there's a... I think there's a science and an art to building resumes. I'm yeah, sure definitely. Know. I mean, and there's tons uh, of resources out there. Obviously, there's even you know professional resume writers. But like on Lawrence Harvey's page, we've got a number of free um, like resources and tools and stuff, kind of talking how to write a resume. But the other kind of thing worth mentioning, I think, is like in the what you've done within a role. Like it's it's a little bit frugal, I think, to just 
list of responsibilities. Like you could just copy paste the job description. And in theory, if you're a senior pen tester, you know, remote working for, let's say web application focus, like there's 5,000 people that could write the exact same responsibilities and there wouldn't be any way to differentiate. I think it's really important that people talk about things they completed, ways that they leverage their experience to create change within the organization. Actual metrics behind that is crucial as well. Um, even if a resume looks good, right? If it's, if it's quote unquote bland, like I, as I would put it, it's just kind of probably copy and pasted from the job description, then it's really hard to, to see into like the motivations, like you're saying one and two, um, you know, what they're, what, what they were able to do with that experience really. So those are kind of the main resume tips I would have. Um, I do want to give you the chance to potentially ask me some questions, obviously having a relatively wide view into the market. Do you have any, you know, insight you might be looking for from an external recruiter or just kind of wanted to wrap up some main questions for us, but. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's hard, like you said, it's hard to navigate the market today. So, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, so I can't yeah. expect you to tell me what, how are things going to look in six months, yeah. right? Um, is, uh, is there going to be enough, you know, talent out there? So I don't have anything specific. You know, I, I would say probably, uh, you know, as, as just from a curiosity perspective in this type of uh, market when, um, you know, almost every company is going through some type of layoff, um, how, how do you guys like manage from a business perspective? Like, what do you work on internally to maybe set yourself up for the next boom so that you're ready and prepared for it? Do you guys do anything to prepare? I know we're doing a lot of things internally in terms of, um, you know, hoping that the market will turn around and we'll start hiring again. Okay, yeah. okay. how are we going to manage the influx of like, you know, joiners, right? The the onboarding, the offboarding process. We've been trying to figure out how to make that more streamlined and automated. So we're doing those kinds of things. But I'm wondering if like in, in your industry, in your space, if you're doing something, you know, not exactly like that, but yeah. something similar prepare for that, for the next uh, next boom, hopefully, whenever that Yeah, happens. in short, um, myself and, and Lawrence Harvey don't really focus or, try to specify across any like specific industry or type of company. So we definitely run the gamut as far as types of businesses and naturally in any sort of economic downturn, some companies will, will go up and some companies will probably go on more of a freeze or what have you. So having relationships across different industries, we can obviously push resources towards the companies that are full steam ahead, quote unquote. Um, whereas like some larger healthcare and financial services, like we mentioned, are probably on more of a backstop, but What's important to us is is the relationships with hiring managers. You know, we're not just there to kind of just source candidates and, and walk away. Like it really is more of a partnership. So even the companies that maybe we aren't hiring for for the next six months or so, and it's very transparent that we're probably not going to be able to, right? We're still keeping in touch and we're running other things like this podcast or like in-person events. And, you know, we're very embedded within the community, specifically within security I'm talking about, but also across all of our brands, right? So um, that when hiring might come back for other people that it's not, Hey, I haven't seen you in six months. It's, you know, we talked three weeks ago and now we're ready to go. So that's kind of how I approach it. And I think Lawrence Harvey overall would approach it. But as far as kind of top down strategy, there's, there's not too much else to it. Really. We're, we're very relationship and partner focused and um, are conscious obviously of what parts of the market might be going up and down. So that's really it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So keeping the relationships going, lines of communication is open, networking yeah. more Kind of building that pipeline because you never know who's going to need your services. Um, yeah. Things like that. that makes sense. 100%. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Well, unless you've got a, another question for me, that's kind of the main the main gist of everything I've got here today. It was a really great conversation, Al. I, I appreciate it a ton. Um, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you cool. for uh, having me. Um, yeah. 
Awesome. Really appreciate it. It it was great to have you on. Um, Yeah, that about does it here on the second episode of the Lawrence Harvey Cyber Sit-Down. Of course, thanks to Al, like I mentioned, for joining us here. I'm sure we'll see you again uh, in the future on other episodes or initiatives in the future. Um, If you're listening and local to Los Angeles, please stop by the OWASP and ISSA meetups here once a month in our Santa Monica office. Um, Looking ahead, we'll be joined by another security leader next month as we dive into some more kind of hot topics within the industry, probably get a little more focus around certain hiring trends and maybe certain groups that are looking to break into the industry. But that's it for me. We'll see you next time on the Lawrence Harvey Cybersecurity sit down to talk through the industry as a whole and everybody take care. Thank you, Al. Everyone. Bye-bye.